0: This archived broadcast of Janet Mefford Today is brought to you in part by American Underdog from Lionsgate and the team that brought you I Can Only Imagine, based on the true story of championship-winning quarterback Kurt Warner. American Underdog, rated PG, parental guidance suggested in theaters everywhere Christmas Day.
1: This is Janet Mefford Today. Our
0: confidence is in Christ alone. Are we
1: going to stand with God, come what
2: me. If the word of God says it, I believe it!
0: And that's the way it is.
1: And now, here is Janet Mefford.
0: Well, for several years now, we have talked about the statistics regarding religion in the United States. There are an awful lot of polls that tabulate this stuff and one of the things that has been talked about quite frequently is the growth of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the number of people in the United States who have no religion at all and that number has been growing over the years. This is interesting. Now out from AP, the growth of the nuns in the United States has come largely at the expense of the Protestant population in the United States based on this new Pew survey. It said 40% of U.S. adults are Protestants now down from 50% a decade ago. Now, first of all, when you use the word Protestant, who are you including in that group? Are you including all Protestants as in mainline liberal Protestants and lumping those together with conservative evangelical Protestants? It's kind of a loose term at times, but this is what it says. They they profile this woman, Nathalie Charles, And they say even in her mid-teens, she felt unwelcome in her Baptist congregation with its conservative views on immigration, gender, and sexuality, so she left. Now, let me just stop right there. Religion, particularly the one true religion, Christianity, based on the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the promised Messiah and the fulfillment of prophecy in the Old Testament and our Redeemer and our Savior and our Lord— This is not up for some debate about whether or not it makes you feel good. This should be obvious to everybody who knows anything at all about Christianity, but it is lost on this culture. These people really believe in larger measure every single year that what has to happen is church has to be suited to me. My ideas, my preferences, my feelings, my identity. And that's just not how truth works, folks. And I think we have been derelict in our duty to point this out to people over the years. But in some regard, it seems to me that we bear some responsibility for where we are now. Why do I say that? Because of the church growth movement. The church growth movement going back all the way to Robert Schuller, who was the mentor of Bill Hybels from Willow Creek Community Church, and he crashed and burned, as we all know, a few years back. No surprise there. But the whole idea of the church growth movement was we need to find out what people want in a church and then redo our churches to make sure people are happy with what they're getting. So take down the crosses, take down the stained glass, install the theater seating so they'll be completely comfortable, have nice carpeting and have this big stage with skits and cool music and make sure who stands behind the plexiglass pole because it's got to be plexiglass, make sure whoever stands behind the pulpit is dishing out feel-good Christianity that isn't too hard to swallow. Well, we now know from years and years and years of that approach spreading all across the United States and across the globe that it doesn't work, and it's not true, and it's never been true. And it was one of the worst mistakes, in my opinion, in all of church history, at least in the United States, was this idea that we'll dumb down Christianity and make it palatable to pagans. Well, now you got a bunch of pagans who are leaving churches altogether. So uh, in that regard, it didn't work. But on another note, it didn't work because it created this expectation with a lot of these people who are now calling themselves deconstructionists, that the church exists to do what makes them happy. That has never been true. It absolutely turns it around. It's a 180 from what Christianity actually is. What Christianity actually is, is we're sinners, We fell. Our first Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, and he and his wife made sure that they disobeyed the Lord by eating the fruit, the forbidden fruit. And from then on, every single human being ever born has inherited a sin nature. And it took the second Adam mentioned in the book of Romans to redeem us. But that was the fall of humanity. It's not about us. We're the problem. We're the problem. God himself has been the solution to our problem. And that offer goes out across the world to anyone who will repent and believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you can be saved. And that is the good news, the best news that the world has ever received. But here we have this whole story going around this idea that boy this girl just didn't feel welcome because we didn't I didn't like the church's views on immigration and gender and sexuality. It's not about your views. And by the way, we get everything or ought to get everything we believe as Christians from God's holy word. We don't take a survey of the people who are coming in and say, do you feel comfortable? Oh, you don't you don't like our views on immigration. We better change them. There are churches that still are doing that, by the way. I would say the woke and the SBC are a perfect example of this. Whatever the world is doing or the gospel coalition, whatever the world is doing, whatever the world feels upset about, we need to really dig down into our authentic selves and examine the brokenness and just repent and do what they want us to do because that's what God wants us to. It's just nauseating at this point. Oh, by the way, a description of this woman, Nathalie Charles an 18-year-old of Haitian descent—I don't know why that matters—who identifies as queer. All right, well, there you you have it. Why in the world would somebody who is embracing aberrant sexual immorality expect the church to approve of what she's identifying with or what she's doing? But she said it wasn't a very loving or nurturing environment for someone's faith. Listen, when you're being called to repentance and faith in the gospel— Nobody said it was going to be comfortable. So they get into some of the details on this. According to this new survey from Pew Research Center, the nuns now constitute 29 percent of American adults, which is up from 23 percent in 2016 and 19 percent in 2011. So that's almost a third of the U.S. population population. Uh, leading Elizabeth Drescher, an adjunct professor at Santa Clara University, who wrote a book about the spiritual lives of the nuns to comment that if the unaffiliated were a religion, they'd be the largest religious group in the United States. All right. They're the largest religious group in the United States. But again, who are these people? It's a wide range of viewpoints that come among these people who are known as the nuns. The religiously unaffiliated were once concentrated in urban coastal areas, but now live across America, representing a diversity of ages, ethnicities, and socioeconomic backgrounds. Yeah, because of the internet. Even in their personal philosophies, America's nuns vary widely. For example, 30% say they feel some connection to God or a higher power, and 19% say religion has some importance to them, even though they have no religious affiliation. So that kind of makes it a little vague. About 12% described themselves as religious and spiritual, and 28% as spiritual but not religious. That's clear as mud. More than half described themselves as neither. Nearly 60% of the nuns say religion was at least somewhat important to their families when they were growing up. It found that 30% of nuns meditate. 26% pray privately at least a few times a month, while smaller numbers consult periodically with a religious or spiritual leader. So there's some element of eternity in their hearts, like the Bible says, but it's not Jesus Christ they seek. It's not the true living triune God they seek. It's not the gospel they want. They want something that will make them feel spiritual, but doesn't make any moral demands. That seems to be the overriding theme with a lot of these folks, don't make any moral demands on me. I like the idea of praying for help. I like the idea of meditating. That makes me feel really good. But don't tell me that queerness is something I, I can't participate in. Don't tell me that homosexuality is wrong. Don't tell me that I can't be the other gender if I feel like that's my identity. Don't tell me that I can't sleep with my boyfriend. Don't tell me that I can't do pot or do any kinds of drugs. Don't tell me that I can't uh, get an abortion if that seems to be the most convenient thing for me. Don't make any moral demands on me. Folks, this is not reality because we do have moral demands on us. God has given us his 10 commandments, we have broken them, but his moral law still stands. And if we are in violation of God's moral law, the responsibility is on all of us to repent and to thank the Lord with the greatest praise and and give him the greatest glory for sending us a savior who did obey that law and gives us credit for obeying that law and out of gratitude for what Christ has done. Now as new creatures in Christ, we want to obey our Lord and Savior. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. More to come on Janet Meffer Today.
1: From Lionsgate and the team that brought you I Can Only Imagine comes American Underdog. Undrafted out of college, quarterback Kurt Warner found himself stocking grocery shelves while trying to hold on to his dream to play in the NFL.
2: I have been working for this my entire life. God is going to do something great with you. Based on the true story,
1: American Underdog. Rated PG. pedal guidance suggested in theaters everywhere Christmas
2: Day. More information is available at AmericanUnderdogInspires.com if you're looking for adventure serving as a volunteer on the mercy ship is an adventure like no other and you'll be serving on the largest non-governmental hospital ship in the world providing free care to some of the world's poorest people whether it's performing a surgery cleaning the deck or transporting a patient to a recovery center every day you'll be making a difference in the lives of struggling people begin your adventure today connect with us at mercyships.org it's an adventure of a lifetime
0: this is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. These words written early in John's Gospel remind us in this Advent season that God sent His Son to be our Lord and Savior. But many Christians in Asia, Africa, Latin America, and the Middle East have never read those words or the Christmas story in Luke 2. Why? Because they have no access to the Bible. So in this season of giving, please join Bible League in sending God's Word to bible believers around the world for only four. $5 or $50 for 10 Bibles, $500 for 100. Call 800 YESWORD. That's 800 Yes Word, or there's a Bible League banner at JanetMefford.com. I've seen people being changed by reading the Scripture. There are those who have been looking for the Scripture for a number of years.
1: Giving a Bible to somebody is the greatest gift you can give somebody in life.
0: That's 800 YESWORD, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com.
1: You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet.
0: Speaking of wayward religions, you really have to look at all this wokeness and critical race theory embracing and see it as a religion for a lot of people. Well, it is. I was talking yesterday on the show about how the pandemic has become something of a religion for people. It's something they can grab onto, and Fauci is their pope. But we also have this real epidemic of wokeness, as everybody knows. And we saw what happened in Virginia, thanks to all those wonderful parents in Loudoun County who got sick and tired of the nonsense and stood up. And lots of things went in a better direction in the state of Virginia, Commonwealth of Virginia. This is very telling, though. Science of the Times. This is from The Insider. Uh, Denver Elementary School, the Centennial Elementary School, is facing harsh criticism for planning a families of color playground night. Are we going in the wrong direction here? Aren't we supposed to be against segregation? That's how it used to be. That's what Martin Luther King Jr. said was so terrible that we should be judging people by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. This was listed on Facebook, and they had all sorts of backlash, thankfully. A huge sign promoting the event was spotted by writer Christopher Rufo, who's the senior fellow over at the Manhattan Institute, and he put out a tweet saying he was told by Centennial Elementary School uh, which was hosting the event that Playground Night had been organized by the Institute's Dean of Culture, but was subsequently canceled due to COVID-19 protocols. The event is currently listed on the school's website as taking place every second Wednesday of the month. You know, even Dallas Theological Seminary came under fire not too long ago for having a reunion of only graduates of color. I think it was just a black family's night. I mean, stop it. What are you doing What are you doing? Why in the world would you do segregation? This is what we're all supposed to be against. This is what we should be against. And in light of this, I want to commend once again, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. This guy so far, and I'm always a little skeptical or a little careful, at least, about politicians. Been burned too many times. But this guy's just completely on fire with doing the right thing over and over and over again. And the more he does it, the more people love him. Now he's going on the offense yet again against critical race theory. He's come out with a proposal for a new law called the Stop Wrongs to Our Kids and Employees Act or the Stop Woke Act. His office is calling it the first legislation of its kind in the nation going on the offense against both corporate wokeness and critical race theory in our schools. And DeSantis and some others came out and made a public statement about it. I want to play this here, uh, a comment from Governor DeSantis following up to the Parents' Bill of Rights that he had already put into place. But this is all about giving more power to parents. At least that's part of it. Listen to what he said. Cut one.
3: You can have certain things, and sometimes the school districts don't always follow it. And so we are going to be including in this legislation giving parents a private right of action to be able to enforce the prohibition on CRT, and they get to recover attorney's fees uh, when they prevail, which is very important. And yes, there will be a fortified ability for the State Department of Education to hold people accountable. But honestly, the parents know uh, best what's going on, and they're in the best position to be able to do it. And here's the thing. Uh, a lot of times these people will fear lawsuits more than a a fine from the State Department of Education because when you do a lawsuit, you get discovery and you're subject to that. And when they say they're not doing CRT and then you have all this information showing that they are doing it, uh, it really is an uncomfortable position for them. So I think that gives parents the ability to go in and ensure that our state standards are being followed. And I think it's something that needs to be done.
0: Here, here, Ron DeSantis. Politico even points out a key piece of this proposal would do just what you heard. It would give parents the power to sue local school districts that teach lessons rooted in critical race theory, saying this part, which also allows parents to collect attorney fees, is similar to the bounties permitted under Texas's, well, they call it controversial abortion law. Wonderful abortion law is more like it. Under that law, ordinary citizens can sue those who provide abortions and collect attorney fees. I think it's genius. go Ron DeSantis. he also talked a little bit about what wokeness is all about cut to
3: Now with the rise of this woke ideology uh, is an attempt to really delegitimize our history and to delegitimize our institutions and I view the wokeness as a form of cultural Marxism. Uh, they want to tear They want to just, it's not just, you know, people say, oh, you know, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're leftists or socialists. It's not just like taxes and all that. Yeah, they do want that, and that's not good, but they really want to tear at the fabric of our society and our culture and, and things that really we've taken for granted, like the ability of parents to direct the upbringing of their kids. So this is really, really significant, and when you see these things throughout the country where they take down thomas jefferson's statute in new york city where they take down abraham lincoln in massachusetts where they take george washington's name off schools in california you know that is an attempt to erase history Uh, they want to delegitimize the founding of the country uh, and the institutions And they basically want to replace it uh, with a very militant form of leftism that would absolutely destroy this country if that ever took hold. And so we have a responsibility uh, to stand for the truth, to stand for what's right, and we're doing that and we've put more resources and emphasis on teaching civics, on teaching people about American history, but we also have to uh, protect people uh, and protect our kids uh, from some very pernicious uh, ideologies that are trying to be forced upon them all across the country. So earlier this year, I directed the Florida Department of Education to prohibit critical race theory in our K through 12 schools.
0: It's just awesome. He also is targeting what he called corporate sanctioned racism through critical race theory training in companies, Politico reports. The Republican governor claimed companies like Verizon teach employees that America is fundamentally racist and alleged that a Google training taught that all Americans were raised to be racist. Alleged? Read the material, Politico. DeSantis said, how is it not a hostile work environment to be attacking people based on their race or telling them that they are privileged or that they're part of oppressive systems when all they're doing is showing up to work and trying to earn a living? Exactly. Excellent. Every state in the union needs to do this. Oh, and then I'm looking at this piece this is incredible. It's it's Jeff Rakes. I don't know who this guy is. He's a contributor to Forbes. Here's the headline: Bad for business. How critical race theory bans are limiting American progress. I know, my head almost exploded. Uh, He mentions that 400 books recently were pulled off the shelves across the Texas school district in response to a new law limiting how educators can teach and engage with students on the subjects of racism and sexism and notes that at least 28 states and counting have passed or are considering passage of laws just like this one. He says these drastic efforts are driven by a cynical orchestrated campaign against critical race theory, a catch all phrase that has been divorced from its original meaning. Sure, buddy. The truth is that bans on topics ranging from structural racism to social emotional learning make it dramatically more difficult to teach an honest accounting of American history. This guy just doesn't get it, does he? He believes in critical race theory, so he's irritated that people are calling it out as being ridiculous. He says business leaders should call this out for what it is. Politicians grabbing power and making our public schools collateral damage in the process. Sir, Go to Loudoun County, Virginia, and look at what those people are doing to our children. And by our children, I mean the children of any clear-thinking parent in the American uh, culture these days. You know, I look at these parents who are fighting for their kids in Virginia, and I feel a kinship with them as, as a fellow parent. And they're making comments, even you know Terry McAuliffe. Oh, oh! It's not up to the parents what we teach it. parents can't make that decision about what's taught in the public schools. You arrogant guy! No wonder you lost the governorship. No wonder you didn't get elected. These people are tone deaf. They think they know better than we do. They think they own our kids. Kids are just. Targets of manipulation for these people. You have to indoctrinate them when they're young, turn them against their parents. How many years have we watched the left try to turn our kids against us from abortion and sex education and LGBT education uh, classes and curricula? It's insane. They have to do that. The family, especially the conservative Christian family, is a threat to these people because it's the only ideology They can stand up to their garbage and expose it for what it actually is. People don't love the truth. They love the lie. And they are in bondage to their father, the devil. That's what scripture says. And we're seeing it all around us. So even a site like Forbes is yelling and screaming, oh, this is terrible. We're limiting American progress by trying to stop the teaching of critical race theory. Aren't you the same people on the left who said you're not teaching critical race theory? Call it whatever you want, but when you have five year olds coming home from school crying because they're told that they're racist because they're white and there's no way they can ever overcome their racism because it is a structural racism and systemic racism that will exist long after you do any kind of penance, ridiculous. Ron DeSantis is right. It is cultural Marxism, it is a lie. And it is just infuriating to see how many people are profiting and just enjoying the proliferation of critical race theory. We got to ban this thing everywhere it sits. The 1619 Project was horrific. It was a lie. The the made up history of the United States was not consistent with actual facts about the history of the United States. These people want to ban our founders. These people want to destroy Christianity. They want to separate children from trusting their parents on key moral issues. These people are not our friends. They're just not. We pray for them. Many of them are just deceived as far as people who go along with this. Maybe they don't know enough about it, but we absolutely have to hold the line because future generations are counting on us to hold the line and tell the truth. That is paramount. We're going to come back. Listen to Janet Meford today right after this. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you in part by American Underdog from Lionsgate and the team that brought you I Can Only Imagine, based on the true story of championship-winning quarterback Kurt Warner. American Underdog, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested in theaters everywhere Christmas Day.
1: This is Janet Mefford today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford.
0: Well, we are really grateful to all of you for joining us in helping Bible League International get the Word of God into the hands of so many bible believers worldwide. You have been amazingly generous, but of course, there are still more people who need your help in places like Africa, Asia, the Middle East. And guess what? It is a wonderful way to share the love of Jesus to get Bibles into the hands of Bible-less believers at Christmas time. As always, it costs just $5 to send one Bible, and a gift of $25 will send five Bibles. Anything you can give today would be appreciated. The number to call is 800 800 Yes Word, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D, or there is a Bible League banner to click at JanetMeffer.com. And we're going to spend a few minutes now visiting with Michael Woolworth, Senior Director of Broadcast Media over at Bible League International. Michael, always great to have you here. Merry Christmas to you.
4: And Merry Christmas to you, uh, Janet. And I can tell you, every time you and I spend a few minutes together, the phones light up. Janet, your listeners, they really understand the importance of God's Word in their own lives. And when they hear these pleas, knowing there are Christians around the world who've been denied God's Word, they definitely uh, put their faith into action. And we have seen literally tens of thousands of Bibles sent in the uh, several years that we've worked together. So, Janet, again, thanks for a few moments uh, just to hop on and... Keep this
0: need before your listeners. Oh well, listen that that is all glory to God. It really is, and to the wonderful Amen. you know generosity of all of our listeners here at Janet Mefford today. I have nothing to do with it other than just being the conduit <laughs> between the message and the wonderful hearts of the Christians who listen to this broadcast and open up their hearts and want to help other Christians around the world. This is such an important thing. Now I had mentioned where the need is. There's so many places where there's a great need for Bibles. Tell people a little bit though michael i know because people will sometimes ask how is it that bible bible league actually knows who the believers are who need the bibles what is that process like
4: yeah you know this is our 83rd year of ministry there's not a place on earth where we serve janet where we're not connected to a local evangelical church that's an absolute must for us has been again for for more than eight decades in ministry so we work with the under-resourced church what doesn't define the under-resourced church well i can tell you they do not lack a zeal for god A love for his word, a love for his world, and to see people uh, come to place their faith in Jesus Christ and begin living to his glory and honor. And so uh, we've been able to uh, engage with churches around the world. We do this in six regions Asia, Africa, the Middle East, Latin America, a little bit in Europe, a little bit in the U.S. But, Janet, uh, we do this primarily through a Bible study. People start out by going through a little six by nine booklet that we published decades ago it's the gospel of john christianity 101 uh, paired together people will go through and they'll, they'll figure out well, how is jesus both god and man what's it mean to die to self what's it mean to put on christ when jesus says if you want to be great in this kingdom you'll learn to serve and so they'll go through this bible study it's about two three months in length uh, they'll often be invited uh, one-on-one with uh, a christian who invites him to learn more about jesus and then J- janet at the end as they profess faith in christ and they're connected to a local evangelical church we promise them a bible in their own language and there are times we've done these type of campaigns you know on christian radio around the country people will rush down to a station with a box of you know uh... bibles that were in the basement or the attic the problem is you know if you're a speaker of mandarin or swahili or kichwa an english bible does you no good so that's kind of the unique position god has given bible league to be able to have the relationships to make sure that the, the proper translation is available to those Christians. Again, we've been doing that for more than uh, 83 years.
0: It's a wonderful ministry. Is there a particular place right now where the need is the greatest? I know there's great need all across the spectrum in these different regions that you cover, but where is the need the greatest, if you could actually pinpoint an area?
4: Yeah, and I want to tell you a story here in just a second, abbreviated story of uh, the trip I took to Africa. But it's Africa, Janet. That's uh, where Christianity is growing in the greatest numbers in the world. Number two is Asia. Number three is Latin America. I mean, church growth here in America, if you follow groups like Barna, will tell you, growth is somewhat stunted. So it kind of prompts you to look at where is the growth happening around the world and why. And I can tell you, it's places like Africa where people at one time were characterized as what? Pagan. I mean, lost, right? I mean, today we can look at Africa and say they are leading the way as a world center of Christianity. Janet, I was there, uh, it's been a couple of years ago. It was Super Bowl week uh, here in America. I can't tell you who played the the game that day, but I will never forget what happened when we were at a, a little shanty church in the country of tanzania africa we were there to give out 200 bibles to new christians we make a big deal about it when they come through the bible study i just mentioned 110 degree day i'm telling you there were probably a thousand people around that little shanty church some of those were christians others were there to support the believers and some of those were just villagers wondering what in the world was going on uh... this day and name after name was read. And as that happened, Janet, the men, they shouted in delight. Uh, the women, they ululated a very high-pitched shriek. I can tell you they did this because they knew a lot of these people had left the grips of deep spiritual darkness and had begun to follow Jesus Christ. And one of those was a woman by the name of Mabel, who was Mabel, 65 years of age. I found out that she had been the village witch doctor. She had a very high standing spiritually in that community, Had guided people on spiritual uh, issues, things like that, and had left all of that when a Bible League volunteer introduced her to Jesus Christ, and Janet, uh, when I gave her her Bible in the Swahili language, a translator was able to tell me, she's saying ten times louder each time, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ, Janet. I can tell you, I lost it emotionally. I had to get out of that building. My colleagues continue to give out Bibles, but as I stood outside that church, I could see people climbing in to see in these open windows. And a pastor by the name of Abraham um, who uses Bible League study materials and Bibles, he said, Michael, he said, this is a literal and figurative picture of Christianity in Africa right now. He said, those on the inside, they're not ashamed to say, I'm a new creation in Christ. And he said, those on the outside, they're wondering, Who's this Jesus? That was Mabel, the village witch doctor. She's left all of that to follow Jesus. And when I participate in those type of transactions, I get to travel all over the world, Janet, It's a great privilege for me to give out Bibles to new believers representing Bible League. And I can tell you, in those moments, I can't help but think, and thank God, for listeners like yours that have given so sacrificially over the years to see those type of kingdom transactions take place. So um, I can tell you there's plenty of people like Mabel, uh, incredible stories like hers that I get to tell. They're absolutely amazing. Some of these dear saints I get to meet, but I can tell you there's a great need for God's Word. And I know, again, that's why your listeners over the years have given so sacrificially, so generously, to see that people like Mabel, get the Word of God so they can grow in the grace and knowledge of
0: Jesus. That is so neat. You can't put a price on that when you see that kind of thing taking place. Someone who is just joyful is a new Christian. That's got to be incredible. You know, we're at the time of Christmas, and as many people recognize, we all recognize the prices of a lot of things are going up nowadays, and with a lot of people wanting to give their family and friends gifts this year, budgets can be a little tight. Why would you say Bible League International is a good investment? Five dollars is an incredible low amount of money for a Bible. So we we are very, very happy that you can get a Bible into the hands of a Bibleist believer for $5. Uh, But but what would you say to people who say, money's a little tight, I want to help? Why Bible League?
4: Well, I know, you know, we all wake up, we want to be a blessing. Lord, make me a blessing. And yet we get so much messaging, we get so many factors like inflation, right? cost of everything going up. Um, listeners, you know this is a safe investment. You trust Janet Mefford, you trust Bible League, and many of you have gotten to know us very, very well over the last few years that we've partnered together. And so this is a safe investment. And to hear stories like Mabel's, and Janet, I found out this woman uh, over the last couple of years has led many, many to Christ. She has taken that Bible and she's used it to make much of God and to point many to Him. When I told you that story, I said, what? Well, I don't know who played the Super Bowl. I tell you, I'll never forget what happened in the life of Mabel and 200 Christians there in Tanzania, Africa, to think that we can step into their story from half a world away. And so there's plenty of other reasons I could state, but I can tell you this is a safe investment, and I know at, at Christmas what a joy to think that these Christians going forward could read the Christmas story for themselves.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. And I was thinking about that same thing we take for granted sometimes that we can hear the Christmas story just pick up. Whatever version of the Bible happens to be on your shelf, and it's not that way for other Christians around the world. But what an opportunity the Lord is giving to all of us to bless another brother or sister in Christ. I'll give that number out if you'd like to participate. It costs just $5 to send one Bible. A gift of $25 will send five Bibles through Bible League International. Here's the number to call. It's 800-YES word 800 y-e-s-w-o-r-d 800 800 yes word or there's a bible league banner to click at janetmeffer.com and we thank you all so much for anything you can do michael woolworth merry christmas thank you so much for being with us again
4: god bless you janet
0: god bless you too we'll be back
1: From Lionsgate and the team that brought you I Can Only Imagine comes American Underdog. Undrafted out of college, quarterback Kurt Warner found himself stocking grocery shelves while trying to hold on to his dream to play in the NFL.
2: I have been working for this my entire life. God is going to do something great
1: with you. Based on the true story, American Underdog. Rated PG. penal guidance suggested in theaters everywhere Christmas Day. More information is available at
2: AmericanUnderdogInspires.com. If you're looking for adventure, serving as a volunteer on the Mercy Ship is an adventure like no other. And you'll be serving on the largest non-governmental hospital ship in the world, providing free care to some of the world's poorest people. Whether it's performing a surgery, cleaning the deck, or transporting a patient to a recovery center, every day you'll be making a difference in the lives of struggling people. Begin your adventure today. Connect with us at MercyShips.org. It's an adventure of a lifetime.
0: A mother's womb has now become the unsafest place in America, with abortion being the leading cause of death and babies being aborted up to term in some states.
4: I was afraid. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. Everybody wanted me to have an abortion.
0: Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, helping moms choose life. You see, when a mom in crisis sees her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby.
4: She did let me hear a heartbeat, and I was like, wow, it's something like
0: living inside of me. It was a beautiful thing to hear. Would you join with Preborn and Janet Mefford today and help save 400 babies by the end of this year? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds, and now through a match, your tax-deductible gift is doubled, saving 10 babies' lives. To donate, dial 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com.
1: You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now, here's Janet.
0: I got to get back to this story. This was crazy. Annie McCarthy over at National Review wrote about this recent decision. Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh have now supplied another majority to deny religious liberty exemptions. Did you hear about this? He writes, for the second time in less than two months, Barrett and Kavanaugh joined with John Roberts and the Supreme Court's three progressives to uphold a state vaccine mandate over a religious liberty challenge by medical professionals. This time it was New York's vaccine mandate, which initially included an exemption for religious objectors. These objectors included some Catholics and other Christians who oppose abortion because of how it's been used, these fetal cell lines used in vaccine production and testing. But when the new governor... The new governor, Kathy Hogle of New York, stripped the religious exemption from the mandate. This all came about. She made the astonishing acknowledgement that she had done so intentionally because those who resisted vaccination, quote, aren't listening to God and what God wants. Oh, so she's now some kind of unassailable religious figure. I thought you were governor. The state's mandate provides an exemption for those who claim to object on medical grounds. Consequently, the mandate blatantly discriminates against religion and quite purposefully so. In addition to depriving religious objectors of their jobs, the revised mandate also makes them ineligible for unemployment insurance benefits. Swell. The sixth justice majority nevertheless turned a deaf ear. To the religious objectors who had previously been praised by state government officials for the heroic medical service they selflessly provided to patients throughout the pandemic, especially in the early stages. It is the second time in recent weeks that Justices Barrett and Kavanaugh provided Chief Justice Roberts and the progressives the votes they needed to defeat freedom of conscience. I'm getting really sick of this. Are you? Are you getting sick of this yet? I am. I'm getting really sick of it. It's never the left, is it, on the Supreme Court? When the left puts somebody on the Supreme Court, those people are devoted leftists who never stray or almost never stray, virtually never stray. When is Elena Kagan? I don't know. You could probably come with some, you know, some case somewhere where, OK, fine, she was she was OK on that. But they are ideologues and they are consistent, largely consistent ideologues. And you look at the people who have been appointed by Republican presidents and you just go, aside from Clarence Thomas and pretty much Samuel Alito, the rest of them, it's like, uh, well, who knows? Who knows? Gorsuch, who gave us the Bostock decision, saying that the, the, the federal civil rights law protects sexual orientation and gender identity. Where do you get that? Well, he's Episcopalian. Of course, he's going to be pro LGBT. Did you not think of this before you nominated him? But again, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You just get the best you can get. So there you have it. Speaking of LGBT, I got to get to this because this is a big story. This happened just a few days ago. Canada, according to CBS News, has moved to ban conversion therapy. Folks, there is no such thing as conversion therapy. A controversial and debunked practice of trying to convert homosexuals to heterosexual. Okay. Oh man, am I tired of correcting news items. That's not true. There's no such thing as conversion therapy. What happens is you have some secular therapists who will help their clients meet their stated goals. That's what therapists tend to do with their clients. The client says, I want to achieve X, and the therapist attempts to get the client to X. That's all it is. So if somebody was sexually abused as a child and now has unwanted same-sex attraction and goes to a therapist and says, please help me, these therapists try to help them. And try to get to the bottom of some of their problems and try to get their situation more in line with a lot of what they believe, which is a lot of these people come from a church background or were Christians and say, this is I, I, this is wrong and I don't want to feel this way. And more and more and more in the West, these activists are saying this is horrible and evil and abusive and nobody should be able to get therapy It's ridiculous. So the country's Senate voted unanimously to fast-track the bill to royal assent, uh, becoming law, and Mary Simon, the newly installed Governor General, granted royal assent for the first time to Bill C-4, officially banning the practice of so-called conversion therapy in Canada. The law criminalizes causing a person to undergo conversion therapy, removing a child from Canada with the purpose of making them undergo the practice in another country, And promoting or advertising the practice. It also criminalizes receiving money or benefit from so-called conversion therapy and requires all advertisements for the practice be removed. What are you scared of, Canada? I mean, these guys are super, super, super committed to LGBT ideology. Super committed to it. Justin Trudeau called conversion therapy despicable and degrading. He said LGBTQ2 Canadians will always stand up for you and your rights in announcing the new law. Canada is gone, it seems. Not everybody in Canada is gone, but Canada is gone. They're totalitarian. I don't know what's going to happen, but I certainly have no desire to ever go back to Canada. In the UK, we have the same sort of situation. This is interesting. According to the Christian Post, over 500 church leaders from across the UK have written to the government to say they're prepared to face criminal charges if a conversion therapy ban is introduced. In the letter, they say they will continue to do their duty to God even if the proposed ban comes into force, they write it should not be a criminal offense for us to instruct our children that God made them male and female in his image and has reserved sex for the marriage of one man and one woman. Yet this seems to be the likely outcome of the proposed legislation. We therefore very much hope and pray that these proposals will be dropped in their current form. We have no desire to become criminals. And place a high value on submitting to and, and supporting our government. Yet we think it important you are aware that if it were to come about that the loving, compassionate exercise of Orthodox Christian ministry, including the teaching of the Christian understanding of sex and marriage, is effectively made a criminal offense. We would, with deep sadness, continue to do our duty to God in this matter. The open letter has been sent before this government consultation on the proposed ban ends, and Christians are being urged to get involved and push back against this. Look, again, we've said this many, many times. You got to make up your mind as a Christian before things get dire, that if things get dire, you're going to obey the Lord. That's it. And you look at the example of the apostles who were told by, you know, the the leaders of the day, the church leaders of the day, synagogue leaders of the day, you cannot speak anymore in the name of Jesus. And they said, we will obey God rather than man. You know, we're not going to stop preaching about Jesus. He rose from the dead. He's the savior. We're going to tell people about what Jesus did. And we're going to proclaim his name. And we are going to Pray that people will receive and hear and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that's what we're called to do. And when earthly laws conflict with what the Lord has called us to do, then the Lord wins. (laughs) Okay, that's a modern paraphrase, but that's essentially what the apostles were doing, wasn't it? They were saying, as Christians, there are certain lines we're not going to cross, right? So that's it. And it seems to me that as we move further and further and further away from our Christian foundations as a nation, it will become more and more necessary for us to make those kinds of drawing of lines in the sand and say this far and no further. And if you don't like the way I am, then I guess you're going to have to punish me. I mean, praise God, who knew that you had over 500 church leaders in the United Kingdom prepared to face criminal charges if therapy for unwanted same-sex attraction is banned. Good for these people. Of course, we have to uphold God's standard for gender, which is really sex, and of course, we have to stand up for marriage between one man and one woman. That's what marriage is. It's never been anything else. Any other combination is not God's plan, and it's sinful. So, so what? You know, it, it, it amounts to people not wanting Christianity to be preached as Christianity, and and that's that's a non-starter. That's it. I really wonder what will happen in this country as things become more problematic and more dire and as the pressure becomes more and more intense against Christians to compromise and to make amends with the world and decide that, hey, we can, we can give in here, we can give in there. The temptation to compromise is always there, isn't it? And I always think about the Apostle Peter. And Jesus telling him, you're going to deny me three times. And he said, no, Lord, I would never deny you. And what happened? He experienced the pressure. Do you know this man? Oh, no, 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 I don't know him. I don't know him. No, 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 I don't know Jesus Christ. No, I don't know him at all. And what happened? He denied the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. We all know how it ended and really what we should keep an eye on is the fact that it ended with the Apostle Peter being an absolutely faithful hero of the early church because the Lord forgave him. But it shows how weak we are in our own strength. We are only strong when the Lord's strength is giving us what we need to continue to obey him under adverse conditions and pressure-filled circumstances. None of us are immune to that kind of temptation to be a coward but we can't be cowards if we're going to be faithful to our Savior. He was never unfaithful to us. We must always, always, always be faithful to him. That's my prayer for you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Janet Meffer Today. This hour of Janet Meffer today has been brought to you in part by American Underdog from Lionsgate and the team that brought you I Can Only Imagine, based on the true story of championship winning quarterback Kurt Warner. American Underdog rated PG. Parental guidance suggested in theaters everywhere Christmas Day.